This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a monthly podcast dedicated to exploring women losing their marbles. <laughs> and I'm Joe Lipset. I'm joined, as always, by my lovely and talented co-host, Jen Adams. Hello! As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hiya! And this month, it's actually very appropriate because we are into noir November, and we're mm-hmm. watching this neo-noir movie, Black Widow, the Scarlett Johansson Super... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are watching Black Widow from 1987, starring Teresa Russell, as well as... Gosh, I... I can't even remember the last time that I saw her in a movie. I was I like, know. <laughs> Deborah Winger, where have you gone? Right. Yeah, I forgot. Like, I forgot how how great she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she's another one that kind of developed a reputation for being quote unquote difficult. Mm-hmm. So oh. I, I think I don't I don't know if she kind of just left acting or was sort of forced out. But yeah. I mean, she she is on Instagram. I I follow her there. She seems pretty happy mm. now. So you know, good for her. Whatever she's doing, she, she married another. She married another actor. Her her their kids a uh, a filmmaker now. I think. Hmm. Yeah, was that officer and a gentleman with Richard Gere, and they didn't get along or something? Yeah, yeah. That, and you know. uh, and terms of endearment. Apparently, she oh. and Shirley MacLaine did not get along well. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Gosh, this this early career though, like Urban mm-hmm. Cowboy, E.T., Officer and a Gentleman, Terms of Endearment. What a streak in mm-hmm. the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she ended up on that Netflix show, The Ranch for the last couple of years which you know what good for her because i bet you the money was great yep i always want think about like those kind of middling shows you know where it's like somebody's gonna do my hair and makeup Mm -hmm. like regularly i'm i'm not gonna have to worry about the stress of award season and it is a regular paycheck you know yeah like that that's not the worst thing that could happen to you you know Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so i'm recognizing that black widow is probably not a film that everyone has seen (laughs) although i did gather it has many of its own fans because when i posted that i was watching this i got a bunch of responses for it so maybe i'm underestimating it but (laughs) yeah this is a film from 1987 and it is about deborah winger's character alexandra and she is kind of what would we say she's a data analyst for like the fbi or something yeah, I kept forgetting she was a part of the Justice Department. I I assumed she was a reporter, maybe because she kept like pretending to be a reporter. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's some kind of investigatrice, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she is doing kind of low level grunt work. She's trapped in this building working under Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> and I love the fact that part of her her reasoning for wanting to get out and into the field is the fact that the building they work in has green painted windows <laughs> i mean i i understand that that looks like a dreary place to oh work oh my goodness mm-hmm. awful awful yeah it's like the emerald city <laughs> so she ends up latching on to a string of seemingly unrelated murders of wealthy men that she ties back to on dean's curse which is something i had never heard of but apparently is a real medical condition where seemingly healthy middle-aged men die in their sleep of respiratory failure hmm. and it turns out oh, this is actually the work of a black widow <laughs> played by God damn it, Gina. I keep wanting to say Joanna Cassidy. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> no, it is Teresa Russell, who we talked about briefly in our Wild Things episode. She is Denise Richards' mom. Mm-hmm. And yes, she is doing the research and putting in the time, marrying these sad sack men, offing them for the money, and then moving on to the next man. Mm-hmm. And basically the movie is not quite a cat and mouse, but it's Deborah Winger slowly narrowing her search until she finally discovers her. They end up in Hawaii, of all places. And the ending does get a little bit convoluted, but mm-hmm. overall, this is about some, like, lady-on-lady crime investigation. And the men are so peripheral. I was mm-hmm. shocked and also delighted. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is about the two women, which I love. And there is a little bit of sexual tension, but it's not really like, I don't get the sense that it's like a love story between them two, but it just, it was so fascinating. And I did like all these men would show up that I kind of was like, oh, he's pretty dreamy. And then he would just never appear in the movie again. Like D.W. Moffat. It's like, mm-hmm. ooh, I, I remember you from something. And then he just wasn't <laughs> in it again, you know? And then Dennis Hopper, we were talking about, like off air i thought he was going to be like a bigger part of this movie but nope Mm -hmm. yeah like her first her first three husbands uh they all get a total of maybe five minutes screen time each and then you're dead dead Mm -hmm. dead the the only one the only only one other than the the guy she's trying to get her hooks into in hawaii is nicole williamson who uh people may know from Excalibur he played he played Merlin oh that's why he looks familiar yeah he is a um museum uh curator I believe Mm -hmm. Uh, and and like Teresa Russell's character Catherine is kind of you know working her scheme out on him at the point where Deborah Weir starts catching up with her so she actually meets this guy and kind of puts the feelers out but doesn't really but before things can go any further like he's dead she kills him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very unusual film in a couple of ways and i've said offline this is the kind of movie that just doesn't get made anymore Mm -hmm. like not only do we not do a lot of noirs anymore but we also don't have a lot of double build female fronted films Mm -hmm. and then also like this movie could be so sensational like we never actually see Teresa russell's character catherine commit any of these murders because she like a lot of female killers poisons her husbands Mm -hmm. so we only ever see her doing stuff to like bottles of brandy and then we learn after the fact that the men are just dead because she always positions herself with an alibi by being out of town so that Mm -hmm. nobody could say oh you murdered him and as a result half the time we're meeting these men we get a scene or two with them and then it's like oh yeah that body was discovered and you just think oh okay i i guess that actor will no longer be in this movie and we don't get any kind of death scene we very rarely get any kind of like eulogy more like none of the typical things you would normally see in these films it's just like we're on to the next husband right which i thought was really interesting and at first like i had to rewind and make sure that the coin guy was actually dead because i just i think i was like i missed a line of dialogue or something Mm -hmm. and i think that i i mean i I guess we're talking about the ending and we're, we're spoiling it yes But I think it actually works out well because I fully believed that her last husband was dead. You know, Mm -hmm. there was no part of me that questioned that. And so when he does walk back into the room and it's that gotcha moment, I actually was got by it, you know, which I thought, which doesn't often happen with like plots like that. I feel like that's kind of an easy thing, you know, but because the movie just kind of set up this pattern of like, we're never going to see these dead bodies, we're never really going to see her like at a funeral or anything like that. It just, yeah, it got me. Well, it was a nice gotcha, uh, not just for for Catherine, Teresa Russell's character, but also, as you say, for the audience, because Mm -hmm. we don't see any point where we don't see when her last husband, uh, I think his name was Paul. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't see him convinced that okay, maybe she, maybe you're actually right about this. The last time mm-hmm. we see him, Deborah Winger's trying to tell him what's going on. He doesn't believe her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then apparently at some point, someone convinced him that uh, you know not only that this was actually a thing, but you know, oh, also we want you to be part of the sting operation. Right. So I, I think that, that I think that that's interesting because it's you know it's kind of shocking the audience too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because it it gets to a certain point where you start to question, have any of these men actually died? Like, do I even trust myself? Like, so Mm -hmm. one of the things that I didn't really love is when Deborah Winger feels like she needs to quit her job so that she can pursue this undercover sting and pursue Teresa Russell's character to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And that's really like the back half of the movie. That's where we spend a lot of our time. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't initially really know what she's doing because she's never been in the field. So she approaches a private investigator played by James Hong, Mr. Shin. And at one point, 
when Teresa Russell's character starts to catch on that she's being followed, she also goes to this private investigator, but she is setting him up because she wants to use the evidence he will collect against Deborah Winger. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very like back and forth, tit for tat kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then she ends up killing him at gunpoint, like forcing him to overdose. And I realize, oh, wow, we're probably three quarters of the way through this movie. And that's the first real body we've seen. Right. Yeah. And that was pretty upsetting to me. Like that death got me just how fast he wanted to shoot up so he could die happy. Like at first I wasn't quite sure what she meant by you can die happy or you can just die. And just the coldness of that was really a lot more chilling than I was expecting from a movie that is kind of paced like this, you know, that's not as graphic. Mm hmm. But also because there's, you know, she she goes through this monologue a little bit earlier with Deborah Winger, kind of basically admitting without actually saying it that she did mm-hmm. actually do this, mm-hmm. and she's like, she's like, oh, but I love them all, and and but yeah, yeah which which seems plausible, mm-hmm. and, but then if she does something like this, like mm, did you though? I don't know. Yeah, uh, this character. <laughs> is fascinating like i Mm -hmm. i know that we praise deborah winger we miss her because i do think she's quite good in this movie Mm -hmm. but like let's be honest this is Teresa russell's movie right oh Oh. yeah yeah Uh and and she's just she is just gorgeous in it oh Mm -hmm. my god stunning no matter how many terrible wigs they put on (laughs) the first first couple scenes in the movie i mean once she's in that in hawaii and she's got that hair flowing and all Mm -hmm. like oh my god i'd let you poison me uh, I would too. I would. There was part of me that was really hoping that she and Deborah Winger were going to like team up and start becoming like Black Widow sisters. You know, I would watch that movie. But yeah, I didn't know really who Teresa Russell was outside of our episode on Wild Things. And then I kind of put it together and I was just like intoxicated by her in this movie. I kept like mm-hmm. watching her. Like I almost would have this like kind of ASMR response to just her face you know because she's so gorgeous but it's like a a relatable gorgeous it's not like a a really ethereal like she feels like somebody I would know just like way more beautiful and just the way she would move and the way her hair would fall it was just like I was like oh my gosh I love this woman kill Mm -hmm. all the men I'll watch it there's another reason why you wouldn't see a movie like this anymore because you've got Deborah Winger, who is not unattractive, but but looks like a pretty regular woman that you mm-hmm. would, you, would yeah. see, you know you would see in everyday life, mm-hmm. and you've got Teresa Russell, who is very attractive, but not like you know so you know so attractive. She looks like she was grown in a laboratory, right? Mm-hmm. And also, they're both in their thirties, mm-hmm. which yeah. you know. Whereas if you were to do a movie like this today, you know they would be aged down. They would mm-hmm. both be you know absurdly attractive, yes. and mm-hmm. you know so yeah, that's another reason why you wouldn't see something quite like this now yeah yeah it's kind of funny how the film goes to great lengths to make deborah winger seem not dowdy and unattractive but she's a little bit schlubby Mm -hmm. especially in her office scenes right and then they move the action to hawaii and obviously she's meant to be undercover but we get fairly significant periods of time with the women in expensive looking dresses in swimsuits and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the hair is way better and (laughs) it's like bodies be banging these women are really attractive and you're just like movie Mm -hmm. i didn't really fall for it before but like this is 60 pounds and a lot of work later apparently (laughs) nice Yeah, I did really dig her sweater outfit at the beginning of the movie. I was like, I would wear that. That feels like rainy, rainy gin outfit. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked her hair better longer. It's like, oh, she looks a little bit older now. But I mean, she is gorgeous in that relatable way also. You know, both of these mm-hmm. people, I think it's because they're not so ridiculously attractive that I can accept them as actual characters in the story. You know, and I can pay more attention to what they're doing and what they're saying because I'm not... So, like, it's just hard to look at Denise Richards in something like Wild Things and not think about how beautiful she is, you know? Right. I do get that from most of Teresa Russell's different personas in this Mm -hmm. movie. Like, I do think she's 
so attractive it's almost disarming like I can't Mm -hmm. imagine her being able to get away with just turning her face to the side for all of these cameras Mm -hmm. so that no one can figure out her identity as she offs these various men I was just like no she would be paparazzied out the butt because she's Mm -hmm. too pretty but Mm -hmm. then to see the way that they style her just slightly differently when she's with the museum curator guy and she looks very down to earth like she's still obviously incredibly gorgeous but she can play those parts so convincingly well like she's just Mm -hmm. a regular lady with an interest in indigenous coins and Mm -hmm. you're like yeah i buy it until we see the shot from behind of her in front of the fire as she takes off her clothes and you're like supermodel gorgeous (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that pool scene it's like wow i wasn't expecting that level of like kind of real nudity also you know i, I was hey very into did it. you forget what sex on film looked like because the 80s didn't <laughs> ladies i missed sex i know my goodness like, Even if it is stuff. like reclining on the surface of the water and like spinning around, I was like, that's kind of weird. But I also kind of enjoyed it. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. That scene definitely reminded me of Showgirls to yes. the point where I was like, wait, is this where that scene comes from? I thought that too. Okay, thank you, Dina, for acknowledging this. <laughs> My secret shame. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been since I've seen Showgirls. Oh my, okay, well, you know what? Now we should program it. I mean, I would yeah. love to talk about that movie again. <laughs> yeah, I'd do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about the relationship between these women. Because Jen, you mentioned that you didn't really feel like there was a sexual attraction. And I feel like I want to push back on that a little Mm. bit. And maybe Mm -hmm. this is just because I see queer readings everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the film knows and gently leans into it when we get to Hawaii. Mm. Yeah, I can see it. And I, I think I kind of read it more as like she has met an intellectual equal Okay, okay. And I mean, I do think they are both super gorgeous. And they do, like, she kisses her out of the blue. And I feel like for a movie in the 80s, that's not something to sniff at, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I kind of read Deborah Winger's character more like a single white female kind of dynamic, you know? And the moment that I fell in love with this movie is when she's looking at the the pictures of Teresa Russell like projected on her wall and I really wanted it to be microfiche but it was close enough yeah. and then she was like kind of putting herself in the the pictures oh, I love that I know it was I was like oh my gosh this is that was when I was really in you know <laughs> but I mean I could definitely see a romantic reading which I do think makes her character very interesting Teresa Russell's character right because Like, I'm never quite sure what her motivation is, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think that she is far more honest with Deborah Winger's character than she's ever been with anybody else, possibly ever. Mm -hmm. While while still kind of dancing around, you know, the reality of what she's done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Particularly in the scene where they are learning scuba diving. Right. Mm -hmm. There's definitely flirting with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's challenging right because in some regards i do think you're absolutely right jen it's like it's an intellectual equal right like Mm -hmm. it's for the first time i've met my match because Mm -hmm. all of the men were too stupid to even catch on like no one came close before Mm -hmm. you and now here you are and we get to circle each other and it's a little bit sexy but it's mostly like hey you could be me under other circumstances Mm -hmm. but then yeah we do get stuff like let's share dresses let's share men like it's very obvious that Teresa russell sends her husband paul to deborah winger and i Mm -hmm. think part of that is so that she can gain the blackmail photographs but Mm -hmm. it's also i think because she wants to test her and see what she's going to do Mm -hmm. and i don't know there's that weird flirty vibe it does develop in a lot of these kinds of movies where we've got someone on the hunt for someone else like i couldn't help but think of the relationship between clarice and hannibal lecter mm-hmm. and it, it gave me a bit of those like more so hannibal vibes where we're circling each other but we're both out in the open and it's kind of sexy 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the the Mr. Glass and Unbreakable Bruce Willis. Like one can't exist without the other, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And like you need a foe to kind of test your metal, you know. And I will say the least believable part of the movie was for me was that Deborah Messing, not Deborah Messing, that she was actually into Paul. Like I did not buy that part of the story at all. I was like, I don't. This this attraction seems to come out of the blue. I don't think that anyone would believe she would kill him because she was jealous i think she would kill her you know Mm -hmm. well i think the whole thing with her sleeping with him in the first place was just you know well i'm gonna throw a little caution to the wind and you know see what see what life is like for her maybe Mm -hmm. right she's trying it on for size yeah not Mm -hmm. so much jealousy as just sort of you know you know you mentioned single white female sort of like Mm -hmm. you know you know i want to see what it's like to be her or to have someone look at me like like they look at her. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, Jen, single white female is queer as hell. Come on. <laughs> okay, it has been so long since I've seen it, and it was... <laughs> we actually did record an episode of Kill by Kill on it, and we go into that a little bit. Like, oh, really? You know, yeah, how much they you know seem like a, a couple more than her idiot boyfriend, so... Oh, oh Stephen Weber, who I am yeah. in love with, but of yes, of course you I are. Agree. Oh my God, Jen, <laughs> you're tasted bad, so, Jen. He's so awful <laughs> in that movie, though. Not not bad acting, just his character is awful. Oh, he the is character awful. is reprehensible. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yes, and Stephen Weber, the actor, is who I am in love with. That character sucks. Yeah, no, Stephen Weber, very dreamy. <laughs> that character, piece of shit. Yeah, totally deserves <laughs> that. I feel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'll confess the part where we actually have to wrap it up and do all of the double twists and the reveals and Paul's not dead and ooh, look, I brought back Sarah from earlier in the film and I didn't love any of that, but I think it's partially just because my 21st century perspective was that I actually wanted the two women to just run away together. Mm-hmm, me too, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I want, and I mean, whether they were like, gonna be the next black widow sisters or not like she surely she's got enough money by then you know they could just i I think she just but i think she just you know enjoys pulling one over on you know these rich men who who, you know time and time again cannot tell when they're (laughs) you know they're 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 being scammed Mm -hmm. yeah nobody likes coins that much i mean all it takes you all it takes is her you know reading a book or two on coins and the guy's like oh will you marry me right (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh Though I will say I appreciated the fact that we got to see scenes of her pouring over books to do Mm -hmm. the research to come off as convincing. Because so often it's like, in these movies, we will just cut narrative corners and it's like, yeah, I put on a blonde wig and then I married this dude and now I've got his money. And you think, Mm -hmm. no, like this movie takes place over years Mm -hmm. because that's how long it takes her to set up these marriages before she offs them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a game. I think she enjoys it. You know, the 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 the, the money is just a nice uh, you know, bonus for it. It's a perk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the t- part that I did find really interesting in my little like gin analytical like feelers pricked up is when um, she was talking about why, and she started. I did not enjoy the um, hilarious story about child abuse and the spatula, but uh. I did enjoy this little turn of like I don't know who knows why anybody does anything. You know, mm-hmm. she just. This is what she does. This is how she kind of navigates the world. And I also think it's really fascinating that I don't think we ever know what her name is, you know? Right. Yeah. Because she she just feels like this unknowable character. And I do think you're right. I think she is as honest with Deborah Winger. I keep wanting to call her Deborah Messing. Um, with Deborah Winger. <laughs> and she's with anybody. And I wonder if that's part of what the attraction is, you know, is that somebody sees me for who I am and I don't have to pretend with this person anymore, even though I still do to survive, but this person sees me for who I am and sees the accomplishments that I've and how smart I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I would assume that, you know, because she's been a, a professional trophy wife that she suffers from a lack of female friends. I mean, she may not want right. them, but, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is, you know, someone who is just interested in, in knowing more about her as a person rather than this person's wife or, you know, this person's, you know, sugar baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause the only female relationships that we see that she has are often 
the relations of the men that she's trying to murder various mm-hmm. sisters and all and yes and we get the the, the the one sister sarah they seem to get along all right she she you know, she's she's you know very caring towards her even mm-hmm. though uh therese russell character is a little, little chilly towards her to say the <laughs> least uh, uh-huh. but then you've got dennis hopper's sister uh again you know, in, in two minutes on screen diane ladd which is which is funny to me um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they'd say that she wasn't she wasn't happy about the relationship and that dennis hopper's character had cut her out of the will and Teresa Russell basically paid her off to leave her alone, more or less. I do love that scene. It's like, how about a gift? How much would you say this gift would be? <laughs> <laughs> Even the line, can I buy you a tan? I'm like, oh, oh yes. iconic. It's just like, like it's a nothing role. And yet that character pops. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? I'm getting a little bit of my sisters mixed up, partly because I feel like we don't really get as much time as I would want with some of them. But is that Ratanya Alda who plays the tanning bed character, or am I getting that mixed up? Uh, Ratanya Alda, I think, is the one who worked with the um, the museum curator, the coin uh, guy. Okay, because she's in Mommy Dearest, and I love that movie yes. so okay. much. She's in that. She's in. Um... Amityville 2. Oh, <laughs> oh no. It's about time. <laughs> Re- regrettably. <laughs> oh, I mean, young Jen watched that movie and was like, ooh, this is spooky. This is a good movie. And no. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, speaking of somebody I was delighted to see show up in this movie, Danny Kamakona, who plays Sato in um, Karate Kid 2, which is my favorite Karate Kid movie, and I'm obsessed with it. And I love him in that movie, and I loved him here, and I wish he had more to do. Which character is that? He's the old, the last detective, the detective after. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I don't even think he has a name. It's just as detective is how IMDb lists him. But right. I saw him, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much, because he's not in very much. But, man, Karate Kid 2 is just such a good movie. Yeah, it's an interesting choice to situate the final act or maybe a little bit more of this movie in Hawaii. Like I was Mm -hmm. joking earlier that it's so that we can get our two lead actresses into bikinis and more (laughs) revealing outfits. But Mm -hmm. I mean, the film does want to play a little bit with some of the geography of the Island and some of the actual characters. Like we get maybe not great person of color representation, but Mm -hmm. this movie isn't all white. And I did appreciate that. Oh, I did too. Yeah, it does feel like they cast Hawaii as not a resort town. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is a real place that real people live, which I did appreciate. I will confess when we're introduced to Sammy Frey's Paul, it's well, they're walking across this like molten lava field. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, cool. So she's not the kind of woman who only goes after terrible, you know, magnets who like, you know, Dennis Hopper's character is an evil toy maker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and then we've got this museum guy. And I thought, okay, well, now she's going after a rich environmentalist. And then later on, it's just revealed, oh, no he's just a hotelier right i'm gonna build a hotel in front of this active volcano (laughs) what (laughs) and Teresa russell's like yeah i think that'll be great he just like looks at her with like hard eyes (laughs) the view the view will be amazing right for like 10 seconds the the view will be amazing before you turn to ash (laughs) right but the hot springs gina the hot (laughs) springs right I was trying to figure out where in Hawaii they were, too, because I've been to the Big Island and just loved it. And I don't know. I guess it's probably Honolulu. But oh, I've always wanted to go. It looks know, stunning. Is. I mean, like, I love it as it's refreshing when we get movies that aren't set in, like, Los Angeles or New uh-huh. York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It was gorgeous. Like, the part, like, to have something in Hawaii set in kind of a more foresty kind of looking place, I think it was really interesting and i'm watching um i know what you did last summer yes i was just looking at that yeah yeah like i love seeing hawaii as more than just the beach and the resort yeah like it's a place that people actually live it's not all white lotus exactly which as much as i loved white lotus but yeah and when we went we went to the big island which is much less like beach and resort towns and it it is really pretty but it's like pretty in a real way which i think is something we see in this movie like it feels like there are different scenery and we see like 
like you're not going to have a picnic by that volcano because it's dangerous and it's a hike to get up there and it's just really pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dangerous beauty, much like this exactly. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that brooch at the end too is just exquisite. It's like, oh, I would wear that. Speaking of dangerous beauty. <laughs> what an odd gift. <laughs> right, exactly. What, what an on-the-nose gift. <laughs> It reminds me of the time when I was, um, my friends had karaoke at their wedding and I was like, Ooh, I'll sing Tainted Love. That's my karaoke song. And they're like, don't sing Tainted Love at a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite the mood we're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I really like is just how, how one step ahead she always is. Catherine, Mm -hmm. um, there's a great bit at the end, towards the end of the movie where, where we think Paul has died. And earlier he has told uh, Deborah Winger, you know, trying to you know, dissuade her of this idea that once he and Catherine marry, that she's going to kill him. Right. That, oh, you know, she, we wrote our wills and all of our money is going to go to the, the Cancer Foundation. Ah, I love it. Mm-hmm. And then later she's told, oh, because he lives in his, his actual residence is in Florida. I, I don't even actually know if this is true or not, but apparently there's some sort of clause in, yeah. in, in Florida law where... Uh, if someone leaves all their money to a charity, their their surviving spouse can challenge the will, mm-hmm. and then Catherine like says to the because the, the the charity a charity representative shows up at the meeting. She's like, "Oh well, my husband actually had reservations." I'm like, "Man, <laughs> you brilliant bitch! You knew this the whole time, didn't Ooh. you? As soon as he as soon as he said Florida, you knew you knew mm-hmm. how you were going to get out of this." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's ingenious. I love that because I I actually thought that because she knew someone was on to her that she would have to pull the ruse and kind of let this one go almost like mm-hmm. uh like a fishing analogy right like okay well i reeled this in and it's like too small fry or i can't get away with it so i'll just throw it back in the ocean and mm-hmm. instead it's like oh no no i i planned this all along i knew exactly which loophole i was going to execute and oh i have reservations he had big right. reservations profound reservations yeah. <laughs> yes profound <laughs> profound right, oh she's right. such a cold bitch like butter, butter would not melt in her mouth so she mm-hmm. says that oh my gosh that's the moment where i was like i love her i kind of want to see her continue love to her <laughs> yeah I, I almost wanted to keep going you know? i know <laughs> i think the movie i mean this is the kind of morality of the conservative 80s maybe or it's just the trope the genre but I would have so loved to have gotten a Silence of the Lambs ending where it's like, I don't want to let you go, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I can't imprison you. Like, I would have loved to have had a more volatile situation between the two women instead of having to do this kind of false death thing with Paul Mm -hmm. and actually have the women decide, okay, we're we're going to go our own separate ways, but to have Teresa Russell still kind of out there. Like, Catherine is still out in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes me happy just to know that you exist out there. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll find you again. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to ask something, because I thought for sure when her air started to run out when they were scuba diving, mm. that this was when she was going to kill her. And that I was like... And I checked to see how much time we had left because I was like, this feels like the end. Yeah, it's so early. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like right in the kind of, but we already know that she's on to Deborah, almost to Deborah messing again. <laughs> I don't know what it is, uh, but we know that she's on to her. So I was like, oh, okay, well, she, this, she's going to kill her. Do you think that that was actually an accident or do you think she was trying to give her like a warning or what do you think that was about? That's a good question. I, I don't think she actually wants to kill Deborah Winger's character, but she will if she has to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, if there's anybody that she would feel genuinely guilty about having to hurt, it would be her. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it might be more a see what's gonna happen if you keep doing if you keep pushing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read it mostly the same way. I think it's not just a warning, but it's an opportunity for Catherine to endear herself to the Deborah Winger character. So mm-hmm. it's like, I could have killed you. We both know it. We're not saying it, but also mm-hmm. now I have an opportunity to stay closer to you so that I can see what you're up to. And oops, mm-hmm. along the way, I've discovered you're just like me. I really respect you. We would have a great relationship if one of us wasn't a criminal and the other was investigating her. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe kind of testing the waters. Do you think there's part of her that does want Deborah Winger to join her? 
Like I, I really want a spinoff where they're just Black Widows together. <laughs> like a Thelma and Louise version, yes. right? Yes, that would be that would be awesome. I definitely do think so because of the conversation at the picnic when mm-hmm. Catherine starts to open up to her and it's really hard because Gina, you said she delivers that line. And this is like the majesty of Teresa Russell is that the performance is so good. You honestly can't tell if Catherine believes that she did love these men Mm -hmm. or is she delivering a false performance to convince this mystery woman? No, I'm not a black widow. I'm not killing these men. And you can't Mm -hmm. tell. And that is genius. But everything about the way they're interacting to me was very much like, well, this could go in one of two different directions. And sadly, it doesn't go in the direction we would all hope. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, as you said, Joe, this came out in 1987. And, and I think that the audience would be very dissatisfied if she got away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, now I think that it would be more likely to to pull off, you know, just letting her get away or joining her or, mm-hmm. you know, making it more vague as to, you know, who the audience is supposed to be aligned with here. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will say one thing I appreciated was that none of these men were ogres. They they, they right. seemed to to treat mm-hmm. her pretty well. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. granted for the for the very limited time that, that we see them on screen. Is I mean yeah you know Dennis Hopper is you know, you know kind of a you know loud mouth Southern businessman but right. you know he's fine to her mm-hmm. you know yeah. I mean he's not like you know mistreating her or anything like that and and I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that because I feel like you know if you did have if you did have her get away with it at the end you would have to draw these men a little more broadly. Mm-hmm. and make her motivations more justified than well it's a game and I like the money. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you could balance both having these men be, you know, their biggest sin is that they're very gullible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with letting her get away at the end, I'm not sure if you could do that well. I, I mean, I'd like to see it, but I'm yeah. not sure if yeah. it could be done. Well, I feel like if this were made now, it would be like a series of Harvey Weinstein type characters. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it know? would be. It would be. It would be promising as... young woman. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It would be a little bit beating the audience over the head with it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that you point that out because I think like I am very sympathetic to all of these male characters, but I also love Catherine and we keep saying we want to see her like continue to kill these sympathetic men. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to really the strength of her performance and the writing as well too because we don't like we don't get so much of these men that we fall in love with them. You know, Paul is really the only one we get to know very like outside of a couple of scenes, you know? And I think that there's a lot of restraint there that is able to keep us on Catherine's side. Yeah. I think restraint is a good word here because it's a a very tasteful movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Other than the the one nude scene, which even then (laughs) is, 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 you know, kind of low lit at nighttime and all. And it's, it's very classy. This is very, a very tasteful erotic thriller. Mm hmm. Well, let's not forget that this was written by Ronald Bass. So he is the Oscar winning screenwriter of Rain Man. And he collaborated Mm -hmm. on the Joy Luck Club as well as When a Man Loves a Woman. So Hmm. the master of tasteful adult dramas. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think this is a film that definitely knows its audience. Like, I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is a movie for men and their wives as opposed Mm. to like this is a movie for women which Mm -hmm. maybe would have lent it more of that Thelma and Louise vibe but Mm -hmm. I think honestly this is the difference just between the 80s and the 90s if this movie maybe had to come out even five years later I do think we would have gotten a different take on this yeah, mm-hmm. if it came out, if it came out the, in like the mid to late nineties, it would have been much more campy. Uh, I, I think there would have been a little, you know, because you would have had the Tarantino influence by that point, where you know every character is kind of an awful person, and and you know you you kind of want all these people to succeed and none of them to succeed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, far more salacious and yeah. glamorous, you know. And I I love what it actually is because it feels like a relatable story. Right. I think they would have pushed more and put more front and center this sort of, I guess you could call it a love triangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It very briefly develops between Paul, Catherine, and uh, the name she gives Catherine is Jessica, Alexandra. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
it's barely a love triangle but but yeah. you know i i think that i think that uh if it had been a little bit later that would have been you know a, a much bigger part of the plot than it is here which i appreciate that it isn't because i hate love triangle plots i really do i find them interminable <laughs> mm-hmm. well it's funny that you say that gina because i'm looking at this poster and it's deborah winger on one side and then Teresa russell on the other and they're separated by like a shaft of light from an open door as a man walks away from the camera and it very much looks like these two women are going to be fighting over this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That You're like, looks, yeah. that is not this movie. No, no thank goodness. But... No, she's like, Catherine is barely annoyed when, when, when she finds <laughs> out that Alex sleeps with Paul. Like, barely annoyed. Right, mm-hmm. it's almost like, oh, okay, yes, she fell for my plan. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, she kind of, I mean, she basically pushed them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But she can't even be bothered to to fake getting angry at him. She's like, right. Well, like there's no, fine. there's no, there's no cat fight or anything like that. You yeah. know, you know. In the end, she slept. Then she sleeps because apparently she's been withholding from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they do, it's like, oh, we're gonna get married. It's like, okay, well, clearly you won. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> I thought that's so confusing. Wait, are they married? Or oh, they're only now just getting married, and you haven't slept together? Okay, well, I guess enjoy your naked. Pool I, time. I assume that's right. part of. I assume that's part of her uh what what her mo that she that you know she kind of leads these men along and you know with promises of the the best sex of your life with someone considerably younger than you although she's not that much she doesn't seem that much younger than paul right paul's a little paul's a little different than than her 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 past consequences yeah he's a little younger probably not quite as rich Mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting that she Try a new challenge. I'm going to try a younger man now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he seems like a little more of a playboy, too. Like, I yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of got the dynamic, like, when she tried to put him and Deborah Winger together, that it was like, this one's not going to commit to me. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, so maybe you can try it out, you know? And I really <laughs> thought that she was going to move on, you know, but it's, I don't know. Or try a thruple, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's, it's not a, that is not a bad deal. That is not. We've yeah, seen I've, it before. I've watched it in a pool. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Well, I, I feel like we could probably continue going on. I guess if there's one final thing that you wanted to talk about, because we haven't really addressed it, do you want to talk at all about the feminist messaging in this movie? Because I was really pleasantly surprised when Deborah Winger claps back at uh, Terry O'Quinn you know, like, what is it that surprises you? The fact that she's seducing these men or that she's a murderer? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you asking if I want to talk about a feminist message? <laughs> Gina, I'm sorry, we're now here for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pull up a chair, everyone. Um, yeah, I did. I really did enjoy that. And I think it kind of... Now, like, I don't think Black Widows are something that even really is in the conversation anymore, because I think Mm -hmm. of shows like Snapped and like Deadly Women, which is a huge guilty pleasure of mine. And just like kind (laughs) of our obsession with true crime, you know, right. I feel like we're so used to seeing women as murderers, like even the thought of women as poisoner murderers, because that is a feminized way of murdering feels kind of antiquated, you know, Mm -hmm. which was really interesting to see. Like, it kind of felt like a throwback in that way. And I mean, it was in the 80s, but yeah, I, I did really enjoy the fact that they didn't really lean too much into the fact that she is doing this because she is a woman and she's got a vendetta against men. It really did feel like she was a human character who this is just what she does. And this is like her beauty is one of her tools, you know? Hmm. I was intrigued by the fact that Deborah Winger, you know, it, it obviously positions it as it takes a woman to catch a woman. But mm-hmm. I did like that. And again, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring up Silence of the Lambs again, but it mm-hmm. felt like an early prototype of Clarice Starling where Deborah Winger keeps finding herself in these situations with men who either don't listen to her or talk down to her or give her back rubs that turn into tit rubs. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, yep, you know what? She's got to go off and do things on her own because clearly all of these men are shit. Oh, well, they, well, she has that encounter with that uh, that one uh, cop in Seattle, and she's mm-hmm. just like cursing at her and insulting her and all. And it's just like, and she doesn't. She she just goes like, "Fine, I'll do it myself." Then it's like, "Yeah, you mm-hmm. go do it yourself. That's great." 
I did love that he was like, well, we don't have any evidence. And she's like, I just gave you all the fucking evidence. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could have had it yourself if you paid attention. And yeah, I do like that kind of nod to Silence of the Lambs. Not a nod, but like that connection is that because she is actually looking at the full situation and she's not blinded by this beautiful woman or by the just kind of this story that we've heard before is that old rich man marries younger woman, that she is able to actually find this murderer. Right. She sees reality. She's not blinded by the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was novel. I, mm-hmm. I mean, my God, how sad is it to say, oh, it was <laughs> novel, this feminist, uh, female-fronted film. How mm. novel. Oh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we just did this great thing, like, what, in 2000? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's not it's salacious. I mean, yeah, they're in, they're in bikinis and all, but also they're in Hawaii. You know, like... Right. There could have been a lot more nudity. <laughs> it's true. There definitely could have been a lot more nudity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have allowed more nudity, but that's also because, yeah. as I claimed earlier, I'm like a weird sex deviant who <laughs> <laughs> bring back hey. sex in the movies. But I liked it. It was tasteful, too. It, it, yeah. was, it yeah. was tasteful, but still sexy. Absolutely. Yeah, it felt like real sex, not like movie sex, you know. Yeah, and and appropriately adult, right? Like this is yeah. not a movie that was aimed at a teenage audience, so we were showing that real real people have sex, and it's not right. always movie sex. Like this is glammed up for sure, but yeah. people do strip tease in front of the fire when they're ready to get down because it's a sexy moment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I will say I don't think it's good to have sex in pool. I mean, it's no. it's no. great, but no. it is not good for you. So it is not good hygienically, ladies. Yes. Do not do yes. this to your bodies, please. Yeah, you never know what's gonna get in there. Mm-hmm. Sorry to make it crude. <laughs> PSA at the end of the episode, ladies. That, that right. part, yeah, that part's not sexy. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Yeah. But like now that I'm thinking about it, we don't actually see the sex. We see the the foreplay. Yeah, yeah she just kind of does then... a sort of you know sexy floating around, and then the next day, well, we're getting married. Yep. And you know what else I like? Wow. Okay. We see a tiny little peak of male nudity too, which I am always a fan of. Ah, yes. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to do better at these picks because. We are going to need to see some male nudity. Well, here. we are doing, aren't we doing in the cut in a couple months? That's a, that's got some full Ruffalo from. Oh my I, gosh! I'm, I'm not Ooh. ready for. I'm not ready for that because I just love him so much. Yeah, and he's a, he's this sweet little teddy bear to me, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to see him in the all together. And he's got that mustache. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. I have to say, I wasn't really familiar with this movie, and now I am all in. <laughs> Basically, the narrative around the film was like oh my god you get to see mark ruffalo naked and also those distracting lip fillers that mm. uh Ryan got. yeah, yeah. enjoy okay. seeing mark ruffalo naked because now he's like tied up with marble he will probably never be allowed to get naked in the movie again it's <laughs> true right. yeah but ladies that is not where we are going next before we announce what we're going to do in december we need to talk about how people can get a hold of us so gina if people want to thank you for suggesting black widow for this month's pick how would they do so uh you can contact me on twitter uh, i changed my name there recently i'm now gina does things g-e-n-a does things yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did not approve that change. So when I went to post the last episode, I was like, where the fuck is she? <laughs> and you also have a podcast. I do have a podcast. I co-host the Kill by Kill podcast in which we talk about horror movies, uh, focusing on the characters. Uh, you can look for me there. Uh, movies that we have coming up. We are also starting to cover erotic thrillers. We're just going to be doing different ones that we're covering <laughs> here. Uh, so coming up, we have uh, Jade. Oh, my God. If you want to talk God. about a sleazy erotic <laughs> thriller, it doesn't get much sleazier than that. Yeah. And the much better single white female. Right. Right. Okay. And Jen, if people want to get a hold of you. <laughs> well, first, I would like to formally thank you, Gina, for choosing this movie. You're welcome. I'm glad yes. you guys liked it. Oh, I loved it. I hadn't heard of it before, and it was just a delight. Um, you can find me at Jen Ferratu on uh, social places. And you can find me co-hosting the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health. And the Losers Club podcast, which is about Stephen King. And we just did an episode on 
Carrie, which I, I wouldn't say is an erotic thriller, but mm-hmm. there's the sexy John Travolta car scene. So uh, I have such issues with that because John Travolta looks so good in that movie. I but yeah, he's playing he the worst that. person. I know he is way too good looking to play that mean of a character. <laughs> and Nancy Allen, too, with that lip gloss. Ah, Ooh, gorgeous. Good. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, check those podcasts out to hear all about who I think is attractive. <laughs> it's quickly becoming my brand. I was going to say, this is just our brand. We're like, we're just talking about sex, sexy people <laughs> exactly. and sex now. <laughs> this is who we and are. You know what? Cheers to us because I, I want more conversations about that. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Speaking of sex, if you want to hear me talk more <laughs> about sex, you can listen to my podcast, Horror Queers, every Wednesday. That's at Horror Queers, or you can. Well, maybe don't message me if you want to talk about sex, because that's a little that's a little too <laughs> personal. A ma- he is a married man. <laughs> I am a married man, <laughs> sirs. Uh, I can be reached at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And ladies, as we are moving into December, we have a very exciting pick. So, Jen, this is your selection. Yes. This is a dark horse. I did not see this coming. <laughs> Yes, we're going to watch Ghost. And I just am so excited. I remember being obsessed with this movie when it came out. I think it's 1990. And I saw uh, Kay posting about it on Twitter. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to watch this movie. How can I make sure that I watch it? And I was like, oh, I mean, it's technically an erotic thriller. That movie is very erotic. I'm interested to see how it holds up because I have not seen it in probably 15 years. Oh, wow. It, it, it yeah it's it took me a long time to see it and then i cried at the end so much oh my god yeah, yeah. yep it's a i will just say i'm gonna gush over Whoopi's performance like nobody's <laughs> business because it is a comedic all-timer for me oh it's fantastic and that's how i feel about patrick swayze he was an early crush for me and oh, i just yes i oh, love him so much but... oh oh we're gonna have <laughs> such a good discussion okay i know so, folks, that is where White Ladies in Crisis is headed in December. Come back and join us. We're going to be talking about sexy clay work and Whoopi Goldberg. It's going to be great. <laughs> so until then, I would say don't build a hotel in front of a lava pit. Don't have don't sex do in the pool. Don't do that either. <laughs> that is or true. Or play in yeah. the pool is okay. Right. Sex okay. on the towel. <laughs> PSA from White Ladies in Crisis. <laughs> We're here to help. <laughs> That's right. Until next month. Okay. (laughs) The Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.